If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast recap extravaganza. Yeah, well, maybe we'll make it extravaganza, we'll see. MWWire.com, that's where everything can be found on our website. Previews, recaps, uh, news-type stuff, injury-related. I'm Jeremy here with Matt, and Matt, um, you good? Uh, <laughs> you gonna be good? I'm fine. I, I, you know what? I have the ability now to keep everything in perspective, and really, the only perspective I need is at least it's not 2016. Correct you, because for for those wondering, Fresno State lost to CSU at home, unfortunately. For those so, uh, so it's kind of like that. It's kind of like that GIF of. Uh, do you remember the final scene from Mad Men? Actually, I've never seen Mad Men all the way through. <laughs> okay, so for those listeners who who like you have never seen Mad Men, I apologize. Scene, I need, it's basically I, just you know John Ham's character yoga at right the very there. end. He's like doing yoga. Yeah, I see that. Eyes closed, okay. smile yeah, I see across that. his face. But there's a version of that. There's a gift version of that uh, that also superimposes kind of the wall of explosions from Independence Day. <laughs> and that's kind of how I'm feeling right now. Okay, it's part I'm of it. Okay. it. You should be okay because it's not one win seasons. There are things to look forward to. Also, it's like. I've done we've done this for a while. I in different aspects of sports stuff, and like I know people who, family members included, when their team loses, it bugs them for like days. I'm like, mm-hmm. did that? Ever, have you ever had that scenario for you where some sort of loss? Like the only thing I can think of for you is when they lost to San Jose State. Is that about as close as it got to that? Um. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying that's one thing. Yeah, that's that's different than saying random games, but like. Do you ever have that where you get super upset for like hours at a time after if your team loses like say the Giants or the Niners or something don't do well or Fresno oh, yeah. State? I'm just like everybody else. Okay. I was wondering because there's people that take it to the extreme and I just seem to think you're probably not in that area. You can be upset, which some people are clearly when their team doesn't win. But my brother, like when Texas A&M plays or like the Texas Houston Texans play, freak out like yelling. I'm like, dude, relax. It's just a football game. It's just a basketball game. Don't be that upset. So I was making sure you're okay. That's all I'm asking. We're good. Nah, I'm okay. Good. It just sucks. I can't, so. I can't speak for anybody else, but I'm okay. If you're that person who does that, then do your thing. But it's just, um, I don't do that anymore. I've never really done it. I just just wanted to toss some stuff out there because stuff happens. You take your team personal, all that type of stuff. But let's get to the games here. We have one game to start off the day. Oh, boy. You were correct on San Jose State, Matt. We were all wrong. And actually, you're wrong, too, because you're doing better than you thought. As they're now 4-4, four and four, beating... Army, who we all call it, was a nine-point spread. The, mm-hmm. A road dog going beat an Army, 34-29. So, and, you know what, Matt? That catch is pretty good in the end zone on, the, on his knees. Not bad, right? Bailey Gaither, yeah. That, um, so what's a better catch? Is that or the Air Force pick six from, like, last week? Ooh, okay. For degree of difficulty, 
see it's hard to say because one requires a lot of focus on 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 gator's part mm-hmm. the other one is kind of like the, the like a lucky bounce so yeah. kind of like it kind of came to him in a way that was unexpected and you know credit you know instinct takes over you grab the ball out of the air and you run yeah. with it but uh i think for you know for me i think i would probably take this one from this week I think it might as well because you're right. The Air Force was lucky; it just happened to bounce. It's like when um, bounce off the guys. Like I remember Monday Night Football game about years ago. I don't know if you remember, but Minnesota Vikings were playing, and Chris Dishman was a defensive back, and the ball like he fell on the ground. Like he so whatever happened, he was on the ground. The ball happened, got tipped in the air like on a pass, rolled on his back. He turned over and happened to be right in his chest to pick it up, and I don't think he got touched on, but like ended up getting an interception because it happened to roll on his back, the ball bounces off his back, so it's not on the ground, he gets it or a teammate gets it and takes it back for a decent defensive return. And it's mm-hmm. like that where it looks Im- impressive because of di- because of a t- just kind of wacky play. But I think you're right when it's bobbling, bobbling, catch it, get the knees down, follow through because you know how the catch roll is. It can be you gotta basically take it until you give it to the referee and even then it might be a drop pass <laughs> if he mm-hmm. bob- bobbles it. But pretty impressive. So what do we where do we like think of not not say what we think of San Jose State, but they're now four and four. I thought after the loss to Aztecs, it, or actually the Nevada loss, we kind of take them out of bowl contention. I think it's a possibility now. I think it's definitely in play because and, you well, know they're they're yeah. one of those teams that we and I feel like we talked about this week in and week out yeah. with a few different teams. I kind of feel like to a certain extent their ceiling is kind of limited by what they do well against what they don't but at least uh with this matchup against the black knights you know a lot of their kind of hindrances weren't really as much in this particular instance and i look first and foremost at the running game mm-hmm. um which wasn't you know great uh because they only had the only hand of the ball to dijon packard nine times but he had 63 yards and that in itself, even despite kind of the, the small sample size or whatever you want to call it, that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, almost five yards to carry for the whole team. Yeah, they didn't really need him to do that much just because Josh Love, again, was on his game almost from the jump. And he finished 20 of 31, 314 yards, three scores. Mm-hmm. Um, just like second quarter, man. Dropping, dropping dimes, basically. He, okay, people are give me heat. Is he the best quarterback in the conference? He's in the conversation. Who would you put in there with him? Uh, I mean, Cole McDonald is obviously still part of that conversation. Of course, uh, yes. If it were me, I think it comes down to four guys. It comes down to McDonald, Josh Love, Hank Bachmeyer, even though he's injured at the moment, and Ryan Agnew. Or actually, you know what? I mean, let me expand that a little bit because I was just making this point on Twitter a little bit ago, or yesterday rather. Sean Chambers? Sean Chambers, Donald Hammond. Yeah, because we'll get to that game. Donald Hammond came back to play. Okay, there's a lot of good quarterbacks. So let me rephrase the question so you have to pick one. Who would you pick to be your starting quarterback to replace Jorge Mourinho if you had a choice of all these quarterbacks? Oh, okay, that's tough. Yeah. Um, Not Hammond, I'm assuming, because offense limits what he can do for that. Honestly, I think I would probably take McDonald. Okay. I think, but you know the way, but the way that Josh Love has been playing recently, the, the, that would be a very tempting choice. It would because Josh Love isn't as turnover prone. As Cole mm-hmm. McDonald, McDonald probably is the guy. I feel like give me one drive, see what happens. Possibly him. I'd maybe even could lean maybe Agnew, depending on what your team is. If you have a good mm-hmm. running game, but that's he. I wouldn't put him as a guy. It's like a pass heavy team, I should say. If you're gonna lead the way, mm-hmm. but back to this game too. Like 
one thing we always talk about San Jose State, their rushing defense as well. Army ran the ball 70 times. They made them work for this win they, because even though San, even though they got out to a lead, they they kept getting challenged throughout mm-hmm. the game, and they did they they had a twenty three to ten lead at halftime, but yeah. they it was never it never felt like they were able to put the game fully out of reach. No. But I think that that's a credit to the a defense that you know the first time they faced the triple option, they got hammered mm-hmm. right. Um, but they were a little bit better this time around in a lot of respects. Like, you know, Army ended up with a time of uh, time of possession advantage of nearly two to one. Obviously, yeah. Maybe to a, to a certain extent that's to be expected. Yeah. Um, and they were also 11 of 17 on third downs, which, again, maybe isn't, is, it isn't ideal. But Percentage-wise, you know, that's – well, sorry for Army-wise. Yeah, but I get your point. But, you know, Army came into the game as maybe the best team in the country when it came to going for it and converting on fourth downs, too. And so I look at that two for four that they had as far as, you know, creating turnovers on downs. And that, to me, is a really critical number. You know, the other number I look at is the number of penalties that Army had compared to San Jose State, you know. The, the Black Knights, maybe uncharacteristically, had nine for 74. Mm-hmm. So for as often as they were moving the ball, you know, they were shooting themselves in the foot quite a bit too. And because they were continually having to rally, you know, that put mm-hmm. the defense in a position where they could put pressure on the Black Knights. So even though they did get some chunk plays and the, the three quarterbacks that Army played ended up seven of 13 for 103 yards. Not bad for them. They also have, you know, Spartans had five sacks as well, yeah, including two from Rico Tolfrey, uh, who also forced a fumble, and two from Jesse Osuna, who we should probably mention is actually going to miss the first half of targeting. Uh, next week's game, for, yeah, against Boise State oh, because boy. of targeting. That's tough. So, you know, it wasn't a perfect performance, but this is the kind of game again. Last year, who cares? They, they got the wins. They Spartans might have. Awful. They Come might on. have folded last year, but I think yeah. this is a team that. You know, they took advantage of every opportunity that they had, you know. They scored they 10 points off turnovers and turnover on downs, which could have been the difference in the game. Yeah, and they weren't, you know, con- they weren't punching it into the end zone every chance they got. Yeah, but that's a credit goals, to special right? teams Four field goals, who, yeah. you know, it, maybe it was just Matt Mercurio's turn to have a really good week. He was 4-4, four four, and they were all relatively short field goals, you know, between 23 and 38 yards. But They all count the same. Yeah, they all count the same, and now he's in that mix among a pretty good crop of uh, field goal kickers. When you take a step back and look at what everybody's done throughout the year so far, yeah, this like in the second half it was nineteen to eleven. So Army made some runs in that second half because yeah. here's the thing too: it's twenty three ten, not to run their rock score, but but here's what's you know it's a different Spartan team. They give up a touchdown on the first drive, which it happens, whatever. It's just, so it's a six point game, and then they exchange punts, and then. San Jose State responds with points again. So they're 23-17. So it's okay. Six-point game. It's like, oh, here's all the same San Jose State. They're going to give up 21 second-half points, 30 second-half points and lose the game. Defense mm-hmm. subs up, makes a stop on the next drive when the offense goes four and out, three and out. Then they get a touchdown and a field goal. And th- those two possessions right there were kind of the difference in the game. Put them up 11. And that was kind of the difference where they didn't just fold and let Army just drive across cross over them. Because that first drive is kind of it's tough. It's a 13-play drive. It takes up half the quarter. Get a touchdown. Your offense. But think of it, too. When you play this type of defense, it's it's draining on you. And so when your offense mm-hmm. goes out, has the ball for 91 seconds, it to go back out there again, and they do stop them after Army gains just one first down. 
Mm-hmm. It's a great kickoff too. Our army got to bolt the three, and so there's that, or excuse me, the punt where they get to pin him deep in their own territory. But that's got to be that's going to be helpful for defense. Okay, we got him pinned back, but you just were on the field for what real time minutes, 20, 20 minutes or so of real time, fifteen minutes, whatever it may be. But and they go out there and stop them. That's got to be huge. And then the offense helps them out finally to get a touchdown because you see all the time like pass heavy offenses or offenses that move the ball quick, like uh, Washington State or. Other teams that run that type of fast pace when Oregon did, I guess UCLA a bit now, where it's you're you're playing a team, they drive up and down the field, similar situation. You go three and out, you're not helping your defense at all when you pass three straight times, and it's turn the ball over in 25 seconds. Yeah, and so that's a good thing for the defense to come in and make that stop. So now they're sitting 30, 30 get to win 34-29. Probably not going to win next week for Boise State, but I will tell you this right now: if Spartans get bowl eligible, I'm going to pick Brent Brennan for coach of the year if they finish 500. I think he would have a reasonable case, yeah. I and I mean, yeah. if you look at the last four games that they have, they actually have Boise at home next week, by the way. True. Uh, and then they go to Hawaii, maybe to Vegas, yeah, and then home for Fresno State. They, I could see maybe getting four, two more wins in that group. Maybe. The, I have to say the way that things are unfolding in the West Division, in particular, there's a there's a path there. The West Division is back back to being so. San Jose. So what we're saying, the Spartans are number two in the West, eventually, maybe. If to be maybe. Hawaii. if to be maybe, Hawaii. oh, it's a good good victory, good 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 one for the Spartans. So, do we have do we have do, do we have the odds yet for the Boise game next week? I have not looked that up yet. But we'll pull those up we'll, for we'll, a moment. We'll get those up in a moment here. But if they like four wins, Spartans is amazing. I guess the only bad thing is, I, I guess not a bad thing, but let's say they go five, five or six wins, much improvement. I don't think Brett Brennan's gonna take off like uh, McIntyre did because he had the pretty good years, but. If they continue on this upward trajectory, that's a problem with this type of program. You're one of the worst in the country. Get them up to being six, seven, eight wins occasionally here and there. That might be good enough to take some other job that's a little bit better. And so, double-edged sword, but who cares right now? You're 4-4, four and four, best team had in a long time. Just ride with it. Uh, just to, to answer your previous question, by the way, uh, yes. the line between Boise and San Jose State wait, wait. opened at 18, and oh. it is currently 17. Would you take the points there for Fresno? I mean, for uh, San Jose? Uh, I think I would want to wait and see what the injury list looks like for Boise State before I make any kind of determination. If Bachmeyer plays. So what if, yeah. what if it's Chase Cord? Would you take Fresno? Why keep saying Fresno? San Jose to cover? If it's Chase Cord? I'd be very tempted, yeah. Ooh, okay. All right. I see where you're leaning. All right. All right. Next game. Let's go to the next game on Saturday. We had all Saturday games this weekend. Was this the uh, Nevada Wyoming game that was a blowout? Yes, it was. This was a weird game because I, I ended up watching the condensed game because I was gone. I'm like, Nevada seemed to move the ball reasonably well at times because they didn't have they brought in um, Carson Strong was the quarterback this week because we've heard with Dudley Henry not suspended, suspended academic needs needs work so you're eligible for next year's suspension, mm-hmm. <laughs> one of those type of things. But it wasn't that close. Like I was watching like they because Carson Strong still had 247 yards. The problem this game was. The, obviously the Wyoming defense and the lack of rushing game by the Wolfpack, which could get nothing done. Maybe it's just yeah. the way the condensed game was set up. It, to me, not watching the full version, it seemed like like Nevada made some good plays there. But maybe it's just in, intermittent plays where, because I look at their drive chart like earlier today, and again now they go three and out their first three possessions. Yeah, and meanwhile, you know, they give it to Wyoming. Wyoming scores on their very first possession, yeah. your very first offensive play. Uh, and it's basically off to the races from there. So they were really put in a position where they couldn't do 
what they had done so successfully the week before, which is kind of lean on the running game. And oh, yeah. Carson Strong just didn't have it. You know, no. he, he took three sacks. He was only 26 of 40 with uh, 247 yards and an interception. Did what he could. He, uh, I guess. Yeah. It's I tough. Mean, it gets his defense to getting two fifties. Not something to be, to, it's okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just, you know, you look at the yards per play. Yeah. That wasn't great. Yeah. And you see that Wyoming ended up with a you know, 7.6 to 4.6 advantage. And that basically tells you the story of the game right there. Also the four sacks, almost double digit TFL for Wyoming. They're getting after him all day. Oh yeah. Can we talk about that Wyoming defensive front real quick? It's good. <laughs> They're very good. I feel like we haven't talked about them enough this year. Wyoming, um, I was about to put them number two in my power poll, but I still went with uh, San Diego State, I think, at number two this week. But they're close. But that I mean, front they're, is they're, very they're, good. they're basically replacing nearly everybody who had a hand over the last couple of years. Like Garrett Crawl was the, really the, the only familiar name. But, you know, you look at the guys who came up and had big days. You know, Solomon Bird. He's a you know what is he, redshirt freshman. He had two and a half yeah. sacks uh, and forced a fumble. By the way, yeah. Uh, Mario Mora had a good game. He had half a tackle for loss and and uh, was credited for half a sack. You know Javari Jackson. Young guys are saying some things. So you're saying the future's bright. I'm saying the future. I mean the present is bright. <laughs> yeah, too, exactly. Obviously. They're playing at a really high level on that side of the ball there now. And you know maybe you could say to some extent that you know good teams should be able to kind of beat up on bad teams, which I think, and I hate to say it because I was really optimistic about Nevada this year, but they're a bad team at the moment. They're not playing very well. They've yeah. had the the biggest concern for me, the whole season, Nevada is a tower too has been not good at all. Like people thought, okay, even if they have a new quarterback, they'll rely on him to get 80 to 120 total yards per game. He's nowhere near that. And, that's yeah, been I mean, a big and I think some of that, like I said, you know, this was another blowout. So I think they just haven't been able to incorporate the running game in the same way that they did last year. Yeah. All three of their, all four of the losses have not even been close. Okay. They played Oregon, whatever, 77 6, 54 3 to Hawaii, 31 3 to Wyoming, and last two weeks ago, or I guess last week now, 36 10 to Utah State. Every loss has been soul crushing. Yet they're still in the mix for a bowl game because they're 4 and 4. That's true. <laughs> they got Fresno and UNLV and New Mexico. <laughs> Anything can happen. And they can go seven and seven, finish uh, seven wins, right? Yeah, <laughs> probably not, but we'll see. It's a but also let's talk about two things. This game, the rushing attack had the most rushing yards. Or I guess Xavier Valade most rushing yards since Brian Hill, two hundred and six yards, but no touchdowns in the rushing game. They had a, he did have that long fifty three yarder for a touchdown. Rocket Ishmael Jr. had a huge game, but he's we knew he's really good. But this is just kind of like a breakout game, more so than others. But here's the thing too, like Sean Chambers, I'm going to be incorrect here because he's going to eclipse that forty five percent mark. He's, he's getting there. <laughs> Six of nine, one fifty eight, two TDs a pick, left injured, returned to the game and led for a touchdown drive. So we're not entirely sure of how healthy or not he is. Tyler Vanderwall came in, had one TD, but it was just okay, three of ten. So that could be some concern because Chambers only ran for 20 yards as well in the game with the TD. Not that they needed it because with Valaday doing so well, that's just something to look out for when they play uh, Boise in two weeks, which assuming, like I put a tweet out there, assuming Boise State wins next week, which I think probably going to pick them for San Jose State. They play Wyoming in Boise, correct? Uh, yes. The, uh, yeah, at Boise. 
So if Bo- Boise wins, that game's going to come two ways. If Boise wins, they basically, I think they can clinch the Mountain Division possibly, or very likely, they'll be close to it, I'd say. But if Wyoming gets an upset, the Mountain's wide open. That puts. I mean, I, I would still say the Mountain is still kind of wide open, even despite some of the results in this week's games. You think so? Even if Boise wins in two weeks? Well, I mean, Utah State, which we'll, we'll talk about Ooh, in a little boy. bit, they still have a hand in things they do because they still get both wyoming and boise state and, and the air force isn't out of it either even though they they lost their own tiebreaker to the broncos but what i'm getting at if but what makes it more crazy if wyoming wins and there's one loss for boise air force wyoming utah state a lot of intrigue in that that's right and then even heck we'll get to csu as well they're you never know you know what i mean mm-hmm. so anything else want to add to this game are we concerned about nevada or any, any other way besides Two weeks, 13 points? I mean, it's hard to say because, you know, one, they've kind of been bitten by the injury bug a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to wonder how much, you know, guys like how much they miss guys like Jake Nelson, for instance, on the offensive line. And, you know, to me, what was most disappointing is they weren't really able to muddy up the game and, and slow down Wyoming's ground game in the way that I thought that they might. So, yeah, and obviously the quarterback situation doesn't help, you know, because, for as, as promising as Malik Henry looked a couple weeks ago against San Jose State, um, having to remove him from that QB1 spot seems like, uh, you know, it, it had to be done, obviously, you know, because of academics do matter. But it just seems like the, the carousel isn't really doing the rest of the offense any favors. And so I still think that the long-term prognosis still looks pretty promising. Like they still have a lot of their pieces coming back from next year at least um and, and like you mentioned earlier they still are are in the mix for a bowl game so they still do have something to play for um but there's a lot to prove on both sides of the ball at this point so i just saw a twitter question come through about four minutes ago okay somebody asked um do you think craig bull's last stop is wyoming as a head coach oh that's a good question how old is craig bull that's what i was gonna ask too i quickly replied just a moment ago Big T, he might be like linked or potential to a Big Ten job because we're North Dakota State and that type of stuff. I mean, I was going to say, um, my first inclination for 61, <laughs> almost, so maybe, almost is maybe it's always you could, I would never say yes or no, maybe. I would how, never, how never say is, no. 61. How old is Dan Kleiman, the guy who, who Kansas uh, State, yeah, who just beat uh, Oklahoma? Yeah, how, how old is he? I'm, I'm checking. Hold on, I'm getting there. Dan Kleiman is. Oh, I'm pulling up a Dan Kleiman who's an actor. Hold on, Dan Kleiman, Kansas State, maybe. And odds are, I'm probably spelling Kleiman, Kleinman completely wrong too. Let's see real quick. This is riveting here. Dan Kleiman. Oh, or it's Chris Kleiman. Oh, Chris. Why. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> how old's Chris Kleiman there, man? This, this tells you how much we pay attention to Big Twelve football. Hey, I saw the Oklahoma loss. So. He's 52 years old. By okay. the way. All right. I mean, maybe. It's always I would never say like if I were to take any job like his style of play what he wants to do I could see like uh, big partly because North Dakota State and he was in Nebraska before okay like, hey, Scott Frost isn't doing too hot so like we all predicted <laughs> <laughs> it's just like I mean I could see, I could I could also see him kind of settling into a Rocky Long esque encore on his at career. that age yeah I could see I don't know it's it's always a maybe I would say yeah it just it depends on here's the thing too like. To get to a Big Ten job, like a much bigger job, it's two thoughts. It's like, were that de- like, 
we're desperate for a coach, and you like. Let's just keep the Nebraska thing going with because he has connection, um, Craig Bull in Nebraska, right? Mm-hmm. So, let's say Wyoming go. What are they right now? They're six and two. Let's say they lose to Boise. Let's let's say they finish eight wins, eight or nine wins this year, bowl game included or not, whatever. Like because the last four games are at Boise, at Utah State, CSU, not Air Force. So that's a pretty tough schedule around the season, especially yeah. the way the Rams, Rams have been playing. I'm not saying this year, but say he has like a eight win season, eight or nine win season total, like in a year or two, because they're not going to go to Scott Frost after two years. Like some schools are desperate, like Michigan. We want a Michigan guy. We bring him in. Jim Harbaugh is a different example, but if they're desperate for guys to, oh, he's gotten Wyoming to like three straight bowl games or two straight bowl games, no losing seasons in X amount of years. He has an NFL number one draft pick with Josh Allen. He has smattering of guys in the NFL. Defense is great. So like Nebraska wants, they would take him like if Scott Frost goes like two and ten or something bad for like three straight years. I could see them coming to get Craig Ball, even if he's like seven and five. Just Possibly. just good enough because hey, he's a Nebraska dude. He's been here. He's won North Dakota State. He's doing well at Wyoming. Places where you can't recruit well, or it's tough to recruit well. I wouldn't see him getting having that same success, like just above average success, and going to a bigger. I'm sticking with the Big Ten because it makes sense. A bigger Big Ten job that may come available. Like say, you know, who knows what Purdue will happen? I know Brom got the extension and big money. Say Illinois opens up something a little bit bigger, overall like uh not bigger. I guess Nebraska's a pretty big job. So, but you get my point. Like just random Wisconsin or Michigan or some one of the top tier programs, they're not going to pick up a pick a coach that's like seven and five in some uh, smaller conference. And that mm-hmm. could be for any job in the country. So if it's a job, it's cl- clearly going to be Nebraska down the road if that's the case. And Bull doesn't have to have like a ten and two year to be. Oh, we want you at. Kansas State, or you know what I mean, or Nebraska, or Kansas, or Missouri, or you know what I mean, something like that. They're not going to need him to be. It's it's going to have to be a pretty decent job. It doesn't have to be amazing to get those other gigs. Yeah. So that's kind of getting at. So it's a maybe, but if you're looking for any job to be concerned about, and he has the same variant variant level of success, I would look at like Nebraska or something. Even seven to five, they may pick him up just because in like two years. So I yeah, I just don't think he has to have like an undefeated New Year's Six Day bowl game to get a. Getting a job like that, or at least in Nebraska. I think you're right about that. So, all right, next game. What do we got next, Matt? Uh, let's see. We got uh, Hawaii at New Mexico. Warriors winning 45-31. to 31, And honestly, the game was not that close. How did Hawaii give up so many points, Matt? Uh, I mean, most of it came down to sloppiness in the second half. Fourth because when you, when you look at the, you know, the first half or the second half, mm-hmm. you could see that by halftime, the Warriors were up. 35 to 3. And, you know, there's really no one person to blame. Uh, you know, the defense got a little bit reckless. They gave up, you know, a few big plays, especially to Amari Davis, who had 200 yards on the ground for New Mexico. Um, Not bad. And But, you know, the offense was a little roughshod, too. Like, Chevin Cordero, when he came in for st- a couple stints, like, he missed a couple passes in the end zone uh, and they had to settle for field goals in the second half. Cole McDonald... You know, took some shots down the field when he probably could have picked up, you know, smaller chunks of yardage with his with his legs at least. Which, considering what he did in the first half in that regard, Fine. like 140 yeah. yards on the ground, <laughs> kind of wondering why he didn't do more of that. Um, yeah. So I mean, it was just kind of you know, it was it was almost like watching. Uh, I mean, and I'm not much of an NBA person, but I think of like James Harden. Well, you're not wrong with that comparison. So, like, so, like, think about James Harden when he's having an off day, and and that's kind of what Hawaii's 
was like in the second half especially well, there was the game like Harden he had one game last year he was like one for 13 from three-point range and still had like 30 points somehow hmm. or it's like the Allen Iverson thing because that maybe fall in the NBA back then he would go he would need like 25 shots 20 shots to get 20 points essentially yeah he'd go like nine of 20 to get his 20 points like 25 shots or whatever you're that's a very apt comparison in this game also but this was the throwbows man too Tuioti. Nearly 300 yards? Like I said, a lot of that came I know, I'm in the just saying. Half. I'm looking for positives. If you look at the yardage, for instance, um, you'll see that they, there wasn't much difference in how the game ultimately turned out. I think it was 578 to 500 yeah. in favor of Hawaii. But you know, in the first half especially... Um, 35 to 3, know, there was no contest. Yeah, so in the first half, it was 337 to 195. Just to give you some indication, yeah. And and Tuioti was ten of nineteen for one hundred and three yards and an interception in the first half. But even even with that, that'd be fine. For he him. didn't really do them any favors. Like he just wasn't effective enough. He was. This is an interesting stat. Like you said, twenty three of forty, two ninety three, two TDs, two picks. His QBR was only thirteen point seven. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Not good. I don't know how QBR really works out. But McDonald, who was under fifty percent for passing. 17, no, sorry, just over 50%. 17 of 30. Fewer yards, one less touchdown, one less pick. QBR 96.2. So, Well, and <laughs> you know, the surprising thing about this game, at least if you look at the first half and how Hawaii got out to such a big lead, is you know not only McDonald you know, making plays with his legs, but you know he and Miles Reed also had kind of a, a big part in doing that you know he had 16 carries 97 yards and a score yeah, so what you saw for most of the first half was basically they were spreading the lobos out and then just running it right at them and that's really all it took for them to build the lead all right it's that's all it's like you're right like this is the game where it's like well we'll put our backups in and it got sort of close but the mexico I'm telling you bob davy has to be gone has to has to like his buyouts minimal. Like I said, I think it was six fifty k. We talked last week. Mm-hmm. They are down to finally, I guess, finally one quarterback. I guess here's the thing: they got Nevada next week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh boy! Um, then they end with Air Force, Boise, and Utah State. They're not beating Nevada on the road next week. I'm telling you that now. What you had the lines up? What's the line on that game? Uh, give me just oh. one moment. I think mm-hmm. Nevada could easily win by three touchdowns. Uh, Nevada opened as a six and a half favorite, and it is currently a five and a half. I I take Nevada anything. I think in this game, <laughs> the Mexico's that bad. It's and it's and I feel bad because it's not like they don't have talent. Like that running game, just look at two hundred yards. Come on. Yeah, and so you know, it's just the offense isn't working as it was intended to. I don't think they have new OC and new DC, but it's like. Cause it's like a, like if they do get a new coach, it's like everybody's gone. Like you got to feel bad a little bit. Like Joe Daly, who came in from Liberty to take over the OC job, they promoted mm-hmm. from within to DC. It's like oh, here's a new OC job. You go from Liberty to New Mexico, which I guess is an upgrade. I don't know. At least you're out of Liberty's mm-hmm. here or whatever they do. They're kind of a whatever. We don't get into that, but it still stinks. Brand new job. Oh, see ya. You're out of here. It's like hey, you got to feel bad for guys lose their job. It it happens. But, but my point is, it's not like they're going to promote Joe Daly to be the head coach. Like mm-hmm. anybody who's on the staff now, not just because you're on the staff with Bob Davey or part of his bad team, why have somebody stick around 
to take over any sort of position with the new job. It's going to be a clean house, bring anybody. And you're right, it might be like I mentioned David Yost, like before we talked about that, it's like from Texas Tech, but formerly Utah State. But do you want him to come in? Did we talk about before or was that on the show? I forget. Was that before? It was before we started. Oh, okay. So that's what I'm like, trying to think. I was random, rambling about names like David Yost, Utah State. He makes six, 650 at Texas Tech. Bob Davey makes about 830. Pay him 700K to come be the head coach. You have unique offense like you had before. And that worked. It's going to be passing instead of, instead of running. They brought in a million Juco receivers. You're partway there. And so you're going to have to think outside the box. And now, like you mentioned before, you don't think that would happen just because of it's Mexico. And maybe you want to be picky to be a head coach. But that's just kind of an out there name I thought about just randomly thinking to I was driving around. Well, and I can't remember if I brought this up previously, but they had a similar kind of discussion. And it might actually have been about New Mexico on the uh, podcast ain't played nobody podcast mm-hmm. yeah. so if you, if you hadn't listened to their silly season episodes first of all you should go do that yes but essentially the argument that they were trying to make is that if you are a certain level of coordinator and it's it's iffy whether someone like yost actually fits into this or not i don't think he does but go ahead you know the, you know their their motivation essentially was why would you leave a cushy job where you're making like you know a million bucks or something like that to go take a head coaching job at a difficult place to win well it's like will must champions waiting for texas forever dave aranda currently at lsu i think those guys can be picky but if you're like look at mike loxley years ago he was so desperate for a head coaching job he went across the country to new mexico and flamed out miserably Doing fine after going to Alabama and other stints now with the Maryland, much better from what no. he did in New Mexico. No, he's not. Well, football, f- football coaching on the field, Maryland's better than they were before. I'm just saying. No, they're not. But continue. They're not. Whatever. He's not burning it to the <laughs> ground like New Mexico. Can we go there? Not yet. No. Not yet. Okay. Currently, so that you agree with me. Currently, but my point is, him taking a job where he he was his master recruiter in the. Uh, what do they call it? DMV, Maryland, D.C. area. Great, mm-hmm. fine. He was desperate to take a head coaching job across the country. That's probably not the best move. But text, I don't know. I'm just there's two sides to make in there. But that type of thing. Some guys just want to be head coach. It doesn't matter. It's like, oh, once I get this job, I'll turn it around. If I want a better job, I'll get there eventually. But I don't know what Texas Tech is because it's his first year. Followed Matt Wells there. Decent, decent Big Twelve job. He could wait for. I don't know if he wants to be. Maybe it's a certain fit or a certain school like. That's the type of things to look at. But if you want to be a head coach, you want to be a head coach. And going back to the Mountain West Conference wouldn't be the worst idea for Yost to do, to be a head coach, even if it is New Mexico. I mean, honestly, I think they need to do what San Jose State did. They need to go the Brent Brennan route. Because one, I don't, I mean, we don't know what the financial situation is, which may be part of the reason why they haven't gotten rid of Bob Davies. Oh, yet. we know it's not good. Remember, soccer team getting cut, this only successful program. They had to fundraise to bring back the national contending ski team. It's like there's there's issues with money in New Mexico, so that might be but, why. You're but more right. than more than that, though, this is not going to be a one year turnaround because you know the JUCO gambit that we talked about in the preview podcast over the summer and that we brought up at least a couple times throughout the course of the season, for the most part, just hasn't worked, and that's going to put whoever ends up in this job after Davey kind of behind the eight ball right away, and it's going to take. Yes. a year or two of pain for them to really get going in the direction that they want to go. Yeah, because if you do all the upperclassmen, you could you could still only bring in about 20 guys. So if all these upperclassmen guys, you're going to be short on scholarships for at least two two cycles. Exactly. And that means you have walk-ons, you have guys who, well, we could promise you a scholarship in two years. 
stuff like that or down the road because we just don't have enough. And I, what's the limit? Is it 25 or 20, somewhere in that range? Uh, 25, I believe. Okay, regardless, if they have like 60 upperclassmen and 59 are getting scholarships or 58, you can't replace that in every, every year. And so I don't – finding a coach like that fits there, I have no clue, but uh, we'll see how it goes. He, as this moment, Bob Davies still head coach in New Mexico Lobos. All right, we've delayed long enough. It's time for CSU, FSU. Oh, oh, so that's why we're talking about Bob Davies? No, no kidding, no. (laughs) It just felt as if we've been off the game for a while, so that's all I was getting at. So 41-31. Here's my observations from watching this game. So you tell me if I'm right or wrong, because I'm pretty sure you watched it closer than me. Okay. The Jorge Rain is not a great quarterback. Um. The offensive line wasn't helping him out by getting hit a lot. Noticed by the TFLs and sacks that were allowed and QB hurries as well. It seemed he was rushing throws and that's the offensive side. Defensive side, what the heck's going on? I don't know. There's a lot of good catches by the Rams on this team, I'd say. Like, there's a lot of tiptoe down the sideline, some pretty good catches by CSU receivers like Warren Jackson, who torched the Fresno defense. So some of that could have been on that, but it seemed like CSU had no issue doing what they wanted to do offensively, and Fresno offensively, kind of, besides Ronnie Rivers, kind of struggled to find find their footing. Okay, so where do you want me to start talking about that? <laughs> I'm just saying, I just, that was, am, am I close to what you thought about the game? Is that kind of in your same ballpark? <laughs> okay, so let me let me take some of the, I mean, let me take those in turns. Let me see if I can remember the order. So first, go with quarterback. Jorge Reina. Yeah, go right? with Jorge Reina. He seemed to be. People seem to think he is problem number one around here. That is not the case. Number one A would be. Okay, so. <laughs> Sorry. Just to, to put this. Okay, so to put this out there, for those of you who didn't watch the game, he was 20 of 37, 200 yards, took a couple sacks through a couple of interceptions, mm-hmm. including a pick six. Yeah. Right? Or at least an interception that got turned into a touchdown. He right had away. something not good. He had a couple things um, not good. <laughs> yeah, I went for so, it. And it'd be a touch, a short field touchdown. That's what it was. So the the problem with Jorge Reyna is that he is not Marcus McMarion and he is not Derek Carr. Well, yeah, and why would you compare somebody to? Well, who's bringing up to what you want your quarterback to be Derek Carr when it's their first time starting? Well, that's the thing. <laughs> like, he, like he is basically the guy who preceded Derek Carr, Ryan Colbert. Which, for those of you who weren't, you know, following Fresno State that closely about a decade ago now, you know, you go back and you look at what Colbert did in his uh, his. 2009 season you know he had 19 touchdowns 11 interceptions 60 percent completion rate 8.3 yards per attempt so you know he was fine but he was not Derek carr and he was not Marcus mcmarion he is maybe the, the sixth or seventh best quarterback in the conference rather than the second or third best quarterback in the conference yeah and you know the propensity for throwing especially back-breaking turnovers is uh it, it sticks in the craw just because it seems like every time it happens, something bad immediately happens afterwards. Like they lose a game or the opponent scores a touchdown. So what's your, so has has he been erratic? Yeah, but I don't think he's the biggest problem in this game. The bigger, you know, the bigger problems to me are one, you know, everybody seems to be ignoring that they are currently starting a guy at cornerback who was, yes, he was a wide receiver two or three weeks ago. <laughs> and he started. That's not good. And the defense is somehow doing things like playing single coverage against Warren Jackson. I don't know who thought that was a good idea. Um... But it seemed like every time Colorado State was in a third down, 
you know, they would run basically as an eight or 10 yard out. And whether it was Jaron Bryant, whether it was Juju Hughes, as good as those guys are, Warren Jackson's a physical monster. Yeah. And there's he had like 99 the... catches, 170 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, I don't he's... know why it surprised really anybody good. that that plan failed. You know, that to me speaks more to a schematic shortcoming than anything. Um, you also mentioned the offensive line, which is still kind of scuffling, which Ironically, they might have had their best run-blocking performance of the year. Heck yeah, Ronnie um, Rivers, big night. Well, and not only that, but you know, Josh Hokett vultured a couple touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, Ronnie Rivers had 146 yards and two scores himself. But you know, they weren't necessarily that great at protecting Reyna, keeping him on his feet. And when Reyna was forced to scramble, you know, he just wasn't, you know, he wasn't as accurate as he could have been. Um. I forget what else he mentioned. It seems like you know there's a lot of things that are wrong with this team right now. Yeah, just... um, receiving is not well. It kind of goes hand to hand quarterback play, I guess, a little bit here and there. I do like sort of. I sort I of. Mean, I do like the fact that he threw it to like what twelve different guys. Yeah. So he threw it to everybody, and so it's I, like I don't think Jorge Reyna is the main problem. He's not great or amazing, but it, there's other issues. Bigger, like I said, there's bigger thing issues. I think the defense is a bigger issue, which is drop off. We thought would be there, but not this big. Yeah, can we talk about how the defensive line basically couldn't get any push whatsoever? Yeah, and they let a new guy, Marcus Malcory, have a hundred plus yards and two touchdowns. Exactly, and and that was a team that was supposed to be the most experienced part of the defense, and they just got bullied. So, did you know on this this player here who I mentioned, Marcus McElroy? He had 100, 117 yards. Do you want to know what he had prior to this game coming into it? Uh, well, it had to be like a hundred something. Basically doubled. Kinsey his was getting most of the work. Yeah, yeah, basically doubled his yardage in his first start. And I mean, it's not to say that they got completely blown out because it was a, like a, a like it was a tie game into the fourth quarter before Colorado State yeah, was, it was able close. To go away 10 late. Points, yeah. And it wasn't as though Colorado State didn't make mistakes because the one interception that Patrick O'Brien threw, and he had you know a pretty decent game, 23 or 42 for 322 yards and two touchdowns. But the one interception he threw was like an egregious overthrow straight to Juju Hughes in the end zone. So it wasn't like they didn't create opportunities for themselves. It was just, I don't know. Fresno didn't take advantage either. They turned it back over. Yeah, a quick touchdown. That's that's kind of the game right there because at that point it was Fresno made the field goal to tie it thirty-one each. They, they it looked bad. CSU drives down the field seventy-something yards, seventy-five yards, and was it fifteen play drive there? Huge play, huge drive, eating up the clock. Intercept Fresno. Yeah, we made a defense play. We got it. interception, touchback, get the twenty. Two they plays also, later, boom. Or three they plays also later. picked a really bad time to have basically their worst game of penalties in nearly two years. Um, what I don't see what they have here. I Nine for seventy-four. It's not good. No, it's not. So, what's your concern level for this team overall? Because they're also two of thirteen on third down, one of three on third, fourth down. I mean, I, I, I to me, twenty twenty was always going to be a lot more revealing. Yeah. About the direction of the program. Because you can still see that there's a lot of promise here, especially at the, especially in the receiving core. You know, I think the linebackers, you know, especially having moved Michael Walker back to defensive end, it's given new guys a chance to shine. Like, you know, Aaron Mosby had two tackles for a loss. Um, you know, Lee Bell Bailey had a tackle for a loss, and he's really kind of stepped up into a starting role. Um, 
So, I mean, I think that there is definitely promise there. There's a lot for the team to look forward to. But to me, the rest of this year is it's going to be like really uneven. And it's not going to be for the faint of heart, I would say. Is this going to be... Because last week, last week they looked like they were about ready to make a run, kind of like they did, yeah. you know, two years ago. That second mm-hmm. half domination of UNLV, for yeah. sure. Yeah, um, this week they kind of took, you know, one or two steps backwards. It could be that next week they take another step or two forwards, but it's really hard to say. They still have five games left, mm-hmm. and so they go to Hawaii, which ooh, that could be troubling. Could this be a point? They also got really quick. Here's the rest of their schedule at Hawaii. Utah State at home, at San Diego State, and then a final two of touch easier in Nevada, and then host, traveling to the Bay Area to play San Jose. Are we going to see, like, because you got the redshirt rule, bring in, are you going to see a lot of young guys over this past month, possibly? If a bowl game is not I mean, you've already works. kind of been seeing that throughout the yeah, year. Yeah, because they have all the new receivers, freshmen there, because of who they lost last year, and some guys in defense. But could there be more of that? Maybe a new guy here, their play, or a guy who barely played, like you maybe saw him versus uh, Sac State or something? Possibly, yeah. Because with that rule, that's kind of what this is for, whether it be get guys in games that are blowouts, either for or against, or we a couple games left. We'll get you a handful of plays here, but you still have uh, four years to play. So, yeah, we'll see. All right, next game, which this was a shock of the weekend. I guess FBI knew something that we didn't know, apparently. <laughs> that's true. And they're off by a few points, For those of you who didn't notice it on Twitter um, or who didn't listen to our preview podcast, uh, FBI loved the Falcons in this game. A lot. Enough so that I that I reached out to Brian Fremo, the guy who puts together the FBI formula, just to make sure that it wasn't a typo. And he said no. 20.8. So we thought maybe 2.8 because line was like three and a half points. He's like, nope, it was 20.8. And sure enough. It was more than 20.8. Fal- Falcons 31, Aggie 7. You know what the weirdest thing about this game is? Utah State, like, you would think, by if you saw this box score, 31 to 7, without watching or reading anything about the game, what do you think happened, Matt? exactly what happened well no i mean like tur- multiple turnovers like stuff like like utah state having like minus four turnover margin minus three they and that type of thing like I'm not saying the running game crushed them like it did but would you have thought that there would have been no utah state turnovers and they still in there plus two and still lose by 24 points and not penalized at all utah state I didn't realize they weren't penalized yeah, at all. No pen- yeah. <laughs> I just i didn't you know, i just looked down like holy crap but but my point is like if it's that type of blowout and you figure partially you're correct, like oh, time possession, rushing yards, but no penalties, and no, and plus two, they they would only have seven points. That's the crazy. Defense couldn't get a break. Air Force had the ball for forty five minutes. That was a dominant performance by you know the Air Force offensive line in particular. And their defensive line: Gerald Bright, Jalen Warren combined for twenty eight yards, along of seven. That's it, along of seven yards. Yeah, and it wasn't even like they were pushing Utah State backwards that much. You know, they only had three tackles for loss in the game. Yeah, and a couple sacks. And, and they only had two sacks, but they, they were consistently making stops when they needed to. Yeah, and you really don't have to look any further than the fact that the Falcons in the game went 10 of 13 on third downs. Utah yeah. State was only one for nine. Yeah. Yeah, and they had six different three and outs, including on those first two uh, those first two drives you alluded to where they forced back-to-back fumbles. Yeah. And just couldn't do anything with them. Like, they, like, the opening drive, like, if you, like, if this has been last year's Utah State team, like, they could have been up 14-0 and running away with this game. Possibly, yeah. Like, the way they got the ball, it's like, fumble, 
not, not, not to be just all down Utah State, give Air Force a ton of credit for having probably the best game of the year for them, for for what they did just about. Like I think considering the expectations, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like they had four rushing touchdowns. Ran, we said Air, San Jose when they played Army, 70 rushing attempts, 78 for Air Force in this game. Yeah, and it, like I said, it wasn't even that they were doing anything fancy. You mm. know, if you look at uh, Timothy Jackson and Taven Berto in particular, mm-hmm. those two guys combined for what forty three carries, if my Something math like is that. right. Three touchdowns, hundred almost one hundred and sixty yards, two hundred and two hundred and thirty six, thirty six. Yeah, a couple big plays like Isaiah Sanders at quarterback had a handful of long plays. It was basically it was yeah. basically Homer Homer Simpson and uh, Dedrick Tatum. <laughs> that bad? That's basically all. Yeah, that's oh, basically all it was. <laughs> Except they didn't have a mo to come and bail them out with the with the fan. How concerned are we? Should be at Utah State. I would be fairly concerned in the same way that I would be concerned about Fresno State. They're four and three. They is this a by, byproduct a little bit? New coaching staff schedule much tougher than last year compared to expectations. Yeah, and I mean you know they're kind of in that same situation with Fresno State where they were having to replace a lot, especially on the offensive side of, of the football. Um, you know, but the offensive line didn't really, you know, they didn't really do its job. You know, they gave up a couple sacks and Jordan Love is only 14 of 23. He didn't have any turnovers and he did have the one nice throw to COC Mariner. Mm. And so, you know, I think maybe it's worth noting that, but one throw. you know, the <laughs> offensive line was kind of disappointing and the, the running game, like you mentioned, Brighton Warren was definitely disappointing. Yeah. So I mean, it's hard to just write it off as a one-time thing. Yeah, you. I mean, but you look ahead to. You know, they have BYU at home this weekend. Would you like to guess the line of that game that I have in front of me? Uh, is it? I'm going to say Utah State minus four. Utah State minus six. Yeah, I could see that. I don't, depends. Who I mean, you, what you want yeah. if you're a Utah State fan is you want them to look to getting back to more what they looked like against Nevada a couple weeks ago. Yeah. You know, just rounding back into form and being that kind of dynamic, explosive offense. They, which they really haven't been all that year, all that much. Like, no. Stony Brook, no, I don't care. They scored 23 versus San Diego State, which expected is tough. Only 34 versus CSU, which is not a good team defensively. LSU, I don't care, 42-6. Nevada, probably their best performance, but they haven't had a breakout game. And, like, Jordan Love, people are still saying maybe he is because – we had a little thing on Twitter today about Josh Allen and stuff, but like, if Jordan Love's a first round pick, he's not showing it this year. No, and I mean, and this was against an Air Force team too that we didn't even mention Donald Hammond getting nicked up and not mm-hmm. necessarily playing the whole game. Like yeah. he and Isaiah Sanders both saw time, but they didn't really need him to do that much through the air. You know, he was only one of five. Sanders was, you know, he completed his only pass, but yeah. they only had twenty four yards between them. Why, when you're what, averaging six yards a carry? Exactly. <laughs> That's a. Uh, we'll see what happens, but yeah, I think not to get too far ahead of Utah State BYU. We don't know who BYU's quarterback is. Mm-hmm. I would assume it would be Baylor Romney. That would make the most sense because he actually looked good against Boise State, but it's still to be determined on that front. So, me seeing them being a touchdown favorite essentially six points seems kind of a lot for me, even at home because BYU they're not that they're great. But Utah State's if you kind of inverse like who looks at this point in time. Who's playing way better and who's playing way worse? The edge has to be BYU because they're playing far above. You know what I mean? Like the difference between good and bad, I'd favor BYU in that front. Like they're 
much. If you get my point, like the way Utah State's playing, it's so bad, and BYU's playing that good. Mm-hmm. I think the goodness outweighs how bad it is. So we'll see. But I, I mean, know. here's here's the thing that tells you everything you need to know. Uh, each of the last five Utah State games has gone under, which you would not have expected from last year's team. Yeah. Oh, the under points. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And they've lost three of their last four against the spread as well. So maybe that's okay. worth noting. I hear you. All right. Should we get to the next, the final is the final game of the weekend? One more? Uh, yes, San sir. San Diego State survives UNLV 20 to 17. Kind of a strange game. A missed field goal with time expiring, essentially, by UNLV allowed them to get to victory because head coach Rocky Long said he thought we're going to overtime because the way the kick looked, he thought it was good. And Ryan Agnew had his first pick in, like, what, 20 quarters or something, like four or five games? Yeah. Hey, John Washington is back, sort of. Finally sort cracked of. five yards of carry with the aid That's of one, true. with the aid of that one thirty-yard long run they had. So, like this, the score, like I, I think, if we were both say the score difference or the total points is kind of what we expected, not a ton. But I kind of thought it'd be like more like a twenty to ten game or something where San Diego State was much better. But like the defense, like Kenan Oldwood played pretty well versus a good asset defense. Started Charles Williams, who we expect to do well. Renault, who's this guy? Randall Grimes. Have we called his name all year? We haven't really talked about him a lot now. He's pretty good for hit a 58 yard touchdown and 121 yards. And see, the thing about that is it kind of seemed like he was trending in that direction in the first half in particular. Mm-hmm. It was that Grimes touchdown right before halftime that I think really changed the tenor of the game because before that, basically everything was going San Diego State's way. You know, yeah. They were up 17 to nothing. You know, the the defense was stifling. I think I, I put it out there on Twitter, and I forget the exact number. But before Grimes' touchdown, I think they had allowed basically like 50 or 60 yards of total offense. So it had just been a dominating performance, you know, kind of across the board. Like the offense was moving the ball a little bit. They were creating some big plays. They had the touchdown to Ethan to Doe to open up the scoring. So... You know, it just seems like they kind of either locked up or they just got, you know, kind of really bland play calling in the second half. And that enabled UNLV to kind of work their way into the game because they weren't really doing anything fancy. Like Kenyon Oblad wasn't really taking that many shots down the field, especially in that second half. They were just kind of taking everything underneath and nickel and diming to the to the tune of 21 to 39, 255 yards and two touchdowns. So... You know, it was it was just one of those things where as the game unfolded, it just took on a very strange kind of dynamic where I kind of felt all along like it shouldn't have been that close. No, it shouldn't have been because UNLV is not that good. And also, Aztecs rebelled out again by another special team touchdown mm-hmm. to go up 14-0 on the, um, what was it, the uh, block punt. Yeah. Huge play, but had they punted the ball away, who knows if what, how that game could come out to be. But Aztecs are, give well, they are far better than UNLV. But look at the Rebels' defense. They got to Agnew. They sacked him a couple of times. They had the interception. They had more TFLs than San Diego State did. They were knocking the ball down a little bit. They were getting to the backfield and causing disruption. And so they were yeah, getting, and like, look at the, Rashad Jackson, three TFLs in this game and a sack. And that was something that we had seen glimpses of in weeks past. Like I think back to the first half against Northwestern in particular, or basically like the first three quarters of that Northwestern game. You know, to me, that's kind of the example that I think they've really been trying to find ever since. 
And it's to their credit that they ended up, you know, with two sacks, eight tackles for loss. And they, you know, Jericho Flowers had an interception. We didn't even mention that. So, you know, and, and Gabe McCoy, who we, you know, I can't remember if he was in our top 50 or not, but he'd been very quiet all year long. He finally showed up with a sack and two tackles for loss. So if they can get more defensive performances like this, like even if the offense has its kind of fits and starts where, you know, the running game did take a while to get going in this game too. Let's not forget that. Like Charles Williams ended up with over a hundred yards, but you know, he was part of that kind of, you know, brownout or blackout or whatever you want to call it in the first half. Like he didn't really have much success running the football in the first half, but if they can keep getting defensive performances like that, you know, they may still have a hard time getting to bowl eligibility. Like their margin there is still razor thin. Two and six. You can't lose. That's that's the margin there. But there's just enough uncertainty in the rest of the West Division that they could still throw a wrench or two into the race to the top. When look who they play. They go to CSU, which seems to be playing better, but we'll see. Home versus Hawaii, you got the Golden Pineapple online. You go you host San Jose State at Nevada. I would say those are all fairly winnable games for UNLV. Like they they would not I don't think they maybe Hawaii game can go either way, kinda of be the outlier. But I wouldn't be surprised if either of these games are decided by like ten or fewer points, either way. No. And so, like I said, like, like if they go five and seven, I wouldn't be surprised with the only loss to Hawaii at home. But also, I wouldn't be surprised if they go if they lose the rest and go two and ten. I basically wouldn't be surprised by anything. Any outcome? Well, yeah. It's like <laughs> two, I said, three, four, we, five, we talk about all these teams and like the West is garbage. They're but not. It's not good. It's a mess. It, yeah, well, no, it's. I'm. I'm not going to say that it's garbage. Okay. But there's. There's a lot of kind of lingering questions like you know we saw hawaii play at least one half of defense but then they let the, you know they let new mexico back in you know we saw san diego state dominate for a half but then they kind of let unlv back into it and the and the offense kind of went into hibernation in the second half you know Fresno state looked like they were getting back into the swing of things last week and then lost a winnable game this week and so yeah, I think those are the three teams that you talk about when you when you look at who is probably still in the division race because those are the three teams that have just two conference losses at this point. I think it's a two team race, really. I mean, you're probably right, but again, well, we've seen enough from San Jose State where they could cause some headaches, and like I said, if UNLV plays like this, they could do the same thing. I think the only team at, at this point that I'm not sure about how much noise they're going to be able to make is Nevada. But even then, like if Malik Henry can get right in the classroom and come back and, and take control of the offense, like he did a couple weeks ago, Maybe. then who knows? Yeah. All right. So let's wrap up with this really quick. Okay. We have San Diego state is ranked in the AP poll. Is that right? That's correct. Number 24, if I'm not mistaken, they're ranked. Let's let me pull up real quick. They are 25. In oh, the AP right. poll, because the AP poll is smarter than the coaches poll who who ranked Texas again. Come on, <laughs> it's they nearly nearly lose to Kansas to drop them out of the rankings as well. <laughs> Texas had their chance. Iowa had their chance. They should really yeah. just stop ranking the fourth or fifth best team in every conference and start ranking like the second best team in a group of five. Conference. Yeah, like you have App State ranked. You have well Iowa six and two. That's eh. we'll see. But like SMU's top fifteen or sitting eight and zero. You have, uh, like, within the Mountain West, you have in the coaches' poll, because they have a few more coaches. You have Aztecs who are 
26, basically. They're eight points behind. Then you have uh, Wyoming and Air Force getting some votes. Is that right? Uh, that is correct. Air Force. So it's pretty good. But it's funny. Like, you see Texas. You see these teams. Right. If you were to think about it, I only would say Texas is the only team that shouldn't really be ranked. And they're on AP poll. Or coaches poll, excuse me. Like, Wake Forest has one loss. All the teams with one loss could be fine. Maybe Iowa should be, like I said, maybe lower than, like, an undefeated App State since they lost to Michigan and Penn State. But they're close losses, mm-hmm. so whatever. But that, that's always good for the league. We'll have multiple teams ranked eventually, as we do at the moment. Um, yeah, I'm just going to give some shout-out to the Aztecs who are ranked. And Boise sitting at 21, moved up one spot in the AP poll after being idle. I will say this. like I did the first rendition of, like, hey, here's teams to watch from year six. I'm pretty sure Boise State wins out. They still need SMU loss to get that spot, but I think they'll be ahead of any American one-loss team. I know you got Cincinnati way up there, but I'm wondering if they could pass them too. That'd be a tough one. But there's room for improvement, right? I mean, I think the Mountain West's best path at this point is a collision course between Boise and San Diego State. Yeah, if you have two 11-1 teams. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess, I don't know, Cincinnati's high. Here's the thing too, which the polls or whatever, it happens any time. Like if you lose early, it gives you more you have basically more data to move up mm-hmm. instead of losing late. So, they, yeah, they blow it out to 42-0. Ohio State might be the best team in the country, but they still have, like, Temple and Memphis and run up the year. So I put a lot of stuff in there. One team to watch out for, no kidding, Navy, because they beat uh, – did they win versus Tulane? Did they end up winning? Uh, I, th- I think they did, yeah. I assume if they're getting votes. If they went out, they will get the bid because they will have the best one of anybody, even though Notre Dame lost and is dropping. I still think if they went out, they'll pass any team in the co- in the conference for group of five. I guess we'll have to wait and see. What do you What do you think about that? Do you think because that means they're winning the Amer- winning the American, and so it doesn't matter where Cincy or SMU are ranked. It just means would would they be ahead of Boise State still or San Diego State in that matter? Uh, I mean, I, I I don't know. The gap's pretty big right now, so yeah, that's the one thing we're looking at. So we'll get to it later. We will bring this up periodically as we get closer because. I only put I put no two lost teams, so Utah State well clearly no no more in there. Air Force not in there. I mentioned Boise and San Diego State, and I think Wyoming as well. But are you telling you two weeks at Wyoming Boise game? Oh boy, very careful. It's gonna be good. All right, so that's all I got for today. Check us out mwr.com. Um, our podcast. I I, I still keep saying this because a lot of people know it's over on Anchor. I think we're good on Stitcher and everywhere else. I haven't heard back on like Spotify or random podcast apps. Neither of us use. But like I say, just search Mount West Wire, Matt. We'll find it, right? Oh, yeah. All right, so that's it for today. And, yeah, give us a shout-out or Twitter if you want to. We do One thing I don't mention enough on here, I put out a link every week for, like, our power poll for readers or listeners to go in and get your opinion heard. It's uh, I think it's it's on our Twitter page somewhere. Maybe I'll pin it for a day or two. But go find that out. It's a Google form. Just fill it out. We get that out, like, Wednesday. And so we'd like your opinion on that. So let us know. And we'll be back. We're getting close to the holidays, not quite there, but we'll be back on normal time sometime Wednesday to, uh, dude, is it week 10? Is that where we're at, double digits? Yes, we are. Life comes at you fast. Oh, boy, it does. All right, well, until then, we'll see you Wednesday, folks.